Hey everyone, my name is uh, David Harper. Um, this is my first podcast I've ever done, so it's kind of a fun experiment for me. Hope you like that intro music. Um, but anyway, I'm here to talk to you about travel therapy today. Um, so a little bit about me. I graduated from Iowa um, with my DPT in December 2017, so I've been working a little over a year now. Um, and a little bit about my travel experience specifically. Um, right after graduation, I went right into travel therapy. I did a couple contracts in California, um, one in Northern California in the Bay Area and one in Southern California. Um, and then I came back to Iowa and did a couple around Iowa and Des Moines and Coralville. Um, and my wife also worked as a recruiter this past year, so I kind of have some knowledge on both sides of the coin as far as the travel business goes. Um, and now I just got my first permanent job in, back in February in the Iowa City area, so I'm in the area um, again, which I'm glad to be home. Um, so for the this podcast, I guess my main goal would just to be um, to give everyone a better idea of what travel therapy is like, um, what the pros and cons are, uh, and why it might be a good option for you to start your career, um, even if you haven't considered it yet. Um, when I was in your position, I definitely had very little knowledge about travel therapy, so um, you'll all be way ahead of me. Um, so first, I was going to just give you an overview of what travel therapy is, the process on how you get into travel therapy, and then we can maybe go into some specifics about the differences between um, travel therapy and um, getting a permanent job. So what is travel therapy? So travel therapy basically means um, that you're working a short-term contracted job. Um, it can be anywhere in the United States. Um, so you are employed by a travel company, and um, the travel company kind of works as a middleman between you and a clinic or a hospital that has an opening for a traveler. Um, and clinics and hospitals, they hire travel therapy for a variety of, variety of reasons. Um, one of their clinicians might have a maternity leave, or they might have just started their clinic and they're looking to um, have staff it quickly, or they might just have, be having trouble filling a job. Um, so basically, you're filling that need for that clinic or hospital um, for that chunk of time. Um, so there's various reasons why people may choose to do travel um, therapy over a permanent job. Um, first of all, it's definitely better pay, and which I'll get into more specifically later. Um, it's kind of an adventure. You see a lot of different parts of the country if you want to. Um, you can experience different settings. So right after school, I didn't know what setting I wanted to do, so it allowed me to kind of try different settings between different contracts. Um, you obviously meet a lot of new people um, wherever you go, and you can kind of make connections across the country, which is kind of cool. Um, and then you also are able to kind of learn new school skills um, as far as um, being able to see a lot of different clinicians in a lot of different settings, um, being able to glean um, skills from each of them. Um, and then it also offers just a ton of flexibility if you want to take a week or even a month off between um, contracts, you're completely able to do that, whereas a permanent job, you wouldn't kind of have that flexibility. So, so um, the process of getting into travel therapy um, looks like this. So um, three to four months before you would start working as a travel therapist, so for you all, um, it might be kind of in the October, November range, um, you would be getting into it. Um, 
the first step is uh, you would want to find a recruiter or a travel company that you want to work for. Um, the recruiter is someone basically that works for the travel company and is your main contact. Um, they are the ones that will um, match you with a job. Um, so they are working for you. Um, and the travel company will have a pool of jobs um, currently that are open and future openings um, that will be, they have openings um, in every state. Um, and then they, the recruiter kind of tries to get to know you um, and what your goals and wants are. And they try to help match you um, with a job that would fit what you're looking for. Um, and so the recruiter is definitely your main contact, the person, the pretty much the only person from the travel company that you're really talking to um, through the process. Um, so after you decide on the recruiter or the company you want to work for, um, you would do a simple application process with the travel company. Um, so they have all your information, your resume, your references, um, all in their system. Um, and then when jobs pop up that um, you want to be submitted to or you want to go for, um, they will just send your profile to that job, your resume, and everything like that. And that application for the travel company is very simple. Um, it doesn't take very long at all. Um, and then all your information is with them, and then they will send that off to the jobs um, once you kind of decide on what jobs you want to apply for and go for. Um, so um, one major question a lot of people have, well, what what to look for in a travel PT company, how do I choose? Um, so I would say that there's not necessarily one best company or best recruiter out there. Um, it kind of depends on who you are and what you're looking for. Um, if you would just Google travel companies online, you'll probably see um, the biggest companies with the most marketing money come up first, but that doesn't mean they're necessarily the best companies. Um, so the best way to go about finding um, the right recruiter in the right company um, is to really ask someone that has traveled um, before um, for recommendations. So that could be me, that could be someone you know um, that's graduated already and that's been working out in travel therapy. Um, you could also potentially, there's travel therapy websites um, and there's Facebook pages where you could um, post on the Facebook page and say, hey, I'm interested in traveling California. Um, do you all have some suggestions on recruiters that would be good in that area? Um, so I would definitely suggest not just um, going on some company website and asking um, to be matched with a recruiter because it'll probably match you with someone that's new or not a busy recruiter. So I would definitely go um, with recommendations that someone would give you. Um, I would definitely be willing to give you my recommendations of recruiters I worked with um, and Amy has my contact information, so you can feel free to reach out for that. Um, but you definitely want to be working with at least two to three recruiters at a time, not just one. Um, sometimes I worked with as many as five, which is probably a little too much. But um, this is because um, some companies will have exclusive contracts, um, and so you'll want to be with different companies and see if they have exclusive contracts that you want to get with other companies. And then it's another way to kind of compare the rates and the benefits between the different companies so that if two companies have the same jobs, let's say one might offer more money or more benefits with that job. So it's always good to be talking at at least two to three um, while you're looking for your jobs. Um, and recruiters will totally understand that you're working with more than one. I think they expect it. So um, from their end, that's completely normal. 
Um, and you definitely aren't committed to any travel company until you go all the way, accept a contract, accept a job with a clinic. Um, so you can feel free to talk to recruiters and apply for different travel companies, but you are not obligated for anything uh, when you do that. Um, so some good qualities for companies that you can look out for. Um, some companies will have mentorship programs, which I'll go into a little bit more later. Uh, you might want to look at their benefit packages, like their 401k, their CEU reimbursement, and will provide um, a MedBridge account, for instance. Um, some companies will fight more for guaranteed hours um, or license reimbursement. So those are some things I'm going to talk about a little more specifically later, but um, just some things in general that you can look for um, when you're searching for travel companies. Um, there's kind of larger companies and smaller companies, the larger companies, um, they'll have a lot more jobs um, and they'll probably have better benefits, um, whereas a smaller company will likely be able to pay more, um, but would have less job selection, um, and maybe less benefits. So um, it's kind of give or take um, kind of what you're interested in and what your priorities are. Um, some companies are also regional, so um, you might want to look into a company that's based in the area you're interested in. For instance, I worked with one that was based in Southern California, which greatly helped me find a job in Southern California. So besides just what to look for in a general um, company, you want to really um, hone in on the recruiter themselves and how well you connect with them. Um, so I would suggest definitely not just emailing, but make an initial call with that recruiter and kind of get a feel for how they communicate and if you kind of jive with them, if you um, connect with them um, well, um, and if you can communicate well with them. Um, and you can also get a feel for how responsive they are. Are they quick to respond to your emails and texts and calls? Um, because responsiveness is really important, especially when you get to the job search, jobs come and go really quick in travel therapy. So you definitely want a recruiter that's on top of their game and that's getting back to you quickly. Um, you may want to also ask like how many travels, travelers the, um, the recruiter is working with. Because um, if they have too many, um, like 40 or so, 30 to 40, um, you know, they might not have as much time for you. Um, but you don't want also someone that just has one or two or five. You know, you want someone with um, experience and that's doing their job well. Um, you could also ask the recruiter, um, does their travel company um, have a lot of exclusive contracts or are they just kind of um, get most of their contracts from the general pool that other companies would have access to anyway? Um, so after you find that recruiter you want to work with, um, the travel company you want to work with, you apply to the travel company, you're in their system, um, the next step is for you to decide what you want for in your first contract. So um, the first probably priority would be um, to find or decide what kind of locations you're interested in. Um, if you know there's kind of two to three states um, that you really want to travel in, um, then I would make sure, especially as new grads, to apply for those state licensures um, with your initial licensure um, application. So um, when you come up on the um, NPTE and doing applying for your license in Iowa or wherever you're planning on, I would also apply at the same time for those maybe a couple other states that you might want to travel in um, because that will make it a lot easier um, initially. Um, some states like California, which I traveled in, have extremely long and complicated applications. Um, so really look into that early on, um, definitely by early this fall. Um, there's also something to be 
aware of that there's a PT compact. Um, so now um, there's quite a few states now that just have one compact license that you can use for multiple states and it's a lot cheaper. So definitely check out the PT compact website because you might not have to go through the whole application process for those states. You can just get the PT compact license and you're good to go, um, which is really nice. Um, and I think more and more states will be adding that on this year. Um, so jobs and travel therapy, they pop up and disappear really quickly. So you want on this process I'm talking about, you want to have your license and your recruiter company that you applied for and everything all set up and ready to go when you get to that time where you want to be searching for jobs. Um, and once you're about a month out from that time you want to start working, um, this is when you really want to narrow down your job search and have your recruiter know um, what you're looking for and um, especially like kind of what settings you're looking for um, and what locations you're looking for. Um, and kind of that month out is when they really look hard because travel jobs come and go so quickly and then uh, once you accept it, you start pretty quickly. So um, it's kind of late in the game that you are really searching for a job, but then it happens really quickly. Um, so when it got to that time where I was getting close to the time where I was going to start a job, um, I would basically go to all my recruiters and say, for instance, um, I want to work in California on so-and-so start date, and I want to be in one of these three settings. Um, and then the, those recruiters that I'm working with, they would basically send me job lists of everything they have that kind of fit my qualifications. So these are all the jobs they have in California um, that are fit in those settings. Um, and then basically they would just send me the city and they would send me the setting. Um, and then if from those job lists, I'd look at them over and I'd say, okay, these are a few that I'm interested in. Can you give me some more information? And they might give some more information like the possible pay package and uh, a little bit more about the clinic. Um, and then after you review all that information, um, you basically say, hey, um, those jobs I'm interested in, I'd like you to submit me to those jobs. So since you already applied for the travel company, they would basically just submit your profile to that job. Um, and then if the clinic or the hospital that they submit you to, um, if they like you and they are interested, in, then they um, will want to set up a quick phone interview and they'll do that through the recruiter. Um, and the phone interview you do with the clinic or hospital that wants you is very informal. It's very quick, usually like, I don't know, 15 minutes at most. Um, and it's really more you interviewing them. Um, so I've never really had one that asked hard questions. It's really just them getting to know you briefly and then you asking questions of them. But this is an extremely important part of the process, as I'll get into later, because um, you'll really want to know and ask them important questions about what the job situation will be like um, in that interview. Um, and then after the phone interview, they'll usually offer the job within a day or two, and then you'll accept it, and you'll start working within a couple weeks, however quickly you can get the onboarding process going. So it all happens very quickly in travel therapy. Um, so it's a little overview of the process. You know, you apply for the travel company. And once you find you the recruiter you want to work with, they have your information, and then once you get close, about a month out, they'll be um, sending you the jobs that are available, and then you'll be getting submitted to those jobs, doing phone interviews, and then getting a job. So that's kind of what the process of travel therapy looks like. Um, now, um, 
that I kind of went over that, I'll go into more specifics on kind of what's different and what's similar between travel therapy and permanent jobs. All right, um, so I'm going to go into what it looks like to be a travel PT, basically. Um, so uh, the length of contracts. So your contracts will usually be 13 weeks. Um, you can almost always extend this out. Um, so every single one of my travel jobs I could have extended after my 13 weeks to go up to six months, and oftentimes could probably be up to nine months. So definitely you can, even though it's travel and um you don't have to constantly be changing jobs. You can have the same job up to nine months, potentially. Um, so extending is definitely possible. But you can also, if you don't want to do a full, team, full 13 weeks, sometimes you can negotiate down to like eight weeks. I did an eight-week contract, and I also did a six-week one. So um, the length kind of varies, but it's usually 13 weeks. Um, some people might ask what the overtime looks like for travel therapy. Um, usually, I mean, you will get an over time rate if you do go over time um, but it's only on your taxable income which is a small percentage of your income it's kind of confusing but um, I would make sure I would make sure during your phone interview that you really ask about the productivity standards um, because if you think it'll be too hard to meet their productivity um, then you probably shouldn't take the job because if the productivity standard is too high for you to obtain, then you're going to end up working non-paid overtime hours because you're going to be needing to finish your notes um, after hours, which is actually pretty common in permanent jobs as well. Um, so um, I don't think therapists should have to work off the clock for um, doing notes and things like that. Um, so I would suggest you take a job that um, you can meet their productivity standard, and if you're having trouble with that during the job, you can always go to the your supervisor and say, "Hey, um, I'm this is how much I'm able to do during my day, and I don't think you would want me to work in off the clock because technically that's um, not how it should be going on." So, um, but that's something to be aware of that um, you won't be paid well for overtime. So make sure you can. Um, meet the productivity standard of whatever that job is. And I'll go a little bit more over that um, later on. Um, you can always um, withdraw from a contract. So if a contract isn't working out or you're like, this travel therapy thing is not for me or something seems unethical about the clinic, you can always withdraw and get out of the contract um, with no penalties. Um, you might have to give a certain day's notice, but um, like two weeks notice or something like that but you can always get out of it um recruiters don't your recruiters don't love having a lot of travelers withdraw because it doesn't look good on them but they will totally understand if you have a good reason for it um and you shouldn't really have to sign any non-competes you know that's a big thing with permanent jobs is signing non-competes um that's not really an issue with travel therapy usually um so as far as looking at um when um, you're looking for jobs and you're thinking, okay, I want this location and I want this kind of pay and I want this setting. Um, I often tell people, um, when you're picking a travel job, um, you usually can get, from my experience anyway, you can get two of the three as far as good location, good pay, and good setting. So you can get two of the three, but it's kind of hard to get all three um, to go your way. Um, so you can, if you want really an awesome location and you want a pretty good pay, 
um, then you may have to settle for a setting that's not your top choice. Um, so if you're someone that really has to do outpatient and that's really the only setting you want to do, um, you might not get that awesome location or you might not get that awesome pay. Um, but you will often um, be able to get a job that um, is close to the awesome location. So you might um, get a job that's like an hour outside of that big city that's really cool to go to. Um, I would say as far as travel therapy goes, skilled nursing and home health are by far the most available um, as far as travel travel jobs go. So if you really like those settings, then you're going to have a great pick um, for what you want to do. Um, and then outpatient and acute kind of, there's less available, but there's definitely available. So if you strictly want to do outpatient, you might be, you know, not as many um, choices for location, but you'll, there's definitely jobs out there for outpatient or acute. Um, but if you're into skilled nursing and home health, there's going to be a plethora of options for you. Um, I was personally very picky about my location and pay. That was the two biggest things for me. Um, so which that ended up for me being taking skilled nursing jobs, which wasn't my top setting on my list, but they actually ended up being really great experiences and good learning experiences. So, um, keep your, um, mind open to those kind of possibilities. Um, um, so just like permanent jobs, um, for travel jobs, you can negotiate, um, the terms of your contract. So, um, some things I've negotiated for, I've negotiated for higher pay and I've negotiated for different contract length. Um, I was able to negotiate from 13 down to eight. So you definitely can negotiate. So if there's something you're definitely, um, have a big priority as far as pay or length of contract or things like that, you can definitely negotiate that. And you would do that through your recruiter, um, to the clinic. So the, the recruiter would kind of negotiate on your behalf to the clinic. Um, so the recruiter is your main person that um, you're going to work through and you're going to talk to about what you want and they're going to be your advocate and resource. Um, during your contract, once you're working, you can talk to your recruiter as much as you want or as little as you want. Um, it's kind of up to you how close you want to be your recruiter. Um, the main thing is that they're there for you um, and they're working on your behalf. Um, and so you just want to make sure you have a recruiter that's listening to your needs and requests and are responding appropriately and doing the best, um, they can for you. Um, a lot of therapists out there, they kind of think recruiters are only thinking about the bottom line or they're trying to use you, but that's definitely false. Um, if you have good recruiters that they're, they're really trying to work, um, for your good. So there are good and bad recruiters out there, but, um, always know that, um, you ultimately have the power when talking with recruiters. You know you're in control of what jobs you accept, and you never have to never have to accept a job you don't want to. Um, but it's always good to be courteous to your um, recruiter and follow up with them um, because they are working behind the scenes on your behalf. So always um, just give them the benefit of the doubt and um, have good communication. Good communication with them. Um, so um, as far as hours you'll work as a travel therapist. It's pretty similar to a permanent job. You know, um, I always had full-time jobs, close to 40 hours a week. Um, some jobs may be part-time if you choose to go that route, but pretty much all of them are full-time. Um, and again, you shouldn't have to work overtime, but if you're having trouble meeting that productivity standard, you might have to work some overtime to get your notes done. Um, are the hours guaranteed? So this is a good question. Um, it's 
always nice to have a recruiter that fights to get you guaranteed hours, at least hopefully 35 hours guaranteed. Um, because if you don't have any guaranteed hours, then that hospital or clinic could send you home early on non-busy days, um, which means you're not working and not getting paid. So um, a lot of times I was able to get those guaranteed hours, but sometimes I wasn't. Um, but they would usually say something like expected 40 hours. Um, and for those jobs that said expected 40 hours, it usually was close to that 40 hours. So I never really had a problem with that. Um, but it's always something to ask a recruiter about, um, can I possibly get guaranteed hours? Um, um, cause that's kind of the safer bet. Um, do you earn time off, time off based on hours worked? Um, so that's something about travel therapy that's definitely a con. You don't get any PTO or sick leave or things like that. Um, if you know during that contract, um, like during that three months you're getting signed on, if you're going to have to miss a day or a week for vacation or for different things like that, um, you would just let your recruiter know and they would let the company know and um, that would be usually fine, but none of that would be paid. Um, whereas a permanent job, you would probably be recruiting PTO. Um, there are some companies out there that may allow you to earn maybe like one day of PTO per contract, but that's kind of rare. Um, but usually the money you make, the extra money you make with travel therapy more than makes up for, um, not having any PTO time. Um, cause PTO and in the end usually just comes out of your salary anyway. So, um, so that is one con of travel therapy is that you don't get any PTO. Um, so for a typical day, um, really for travel therapy, it's very similar to a permanent job. You know, it's um, you're working a normal physical therapy. Um, what would be expected of you in a permanent job is the same as what's expected of you for a travel job. Um, as far as orientation goes, um, the travel company itself won't have much of an orientation for you. They might have some training, online trainings for you, but it's pretty minimal. Um, and then once you get to the clinic, it can definitely vary on the clinic um for my first job i um, was in a skilled nursing facility and i had never i didn't do a clinical there uh in that setting so i was pretty new to the setting but um, i was seeing some patients my very first day um, even though i didn't know the documentation system very well or the setting very well <laughs> so um sometimes you get that in travel therapy where you're somewhat thrown into the fire but um, usually, um, I made sure during my interview that th I knew that there's another PT working there that I could ask questions. Um, so it was fine for me, um, to do it that way. Um, cause then, like I said, it varies because another position I had, um, I didn't start seeing patients in, on my own until really the, the end of the first week into the second week. So, um, that's the orientation process is definitely something to ask about in that phone interview I talked about. Um, what the ramp-up period will be. Um, if you sign on for longer contracts, if you say, hey, I'm a new grad, I'm new to this setting, but um, if you'll take me for six months, will you allow me to have kind of a longer orientation, a longer ramp-up um, period so that I can get trained, um, then that's definitely possible. So um, the orientation really um, depends on the job. Um, so it's definitely something to ask about in that phone interview. So how housing works, um, with travel therapy, you can either have the travel company find you housing, um, and then they'll just pay for it, and you don't have to worry about it. 
Um, but really, actually, no one does that route. Usually, people will take the housing stipend. So basically, the travel company will give you a weekly stipend for housing, food, things like that, and you find your always, and you find your own housing. Um, so I would always suggest to take the stipend because you can usually find decently cheaper housing than the travel therapy travel company would, um, and then you can pocket that extra travel reimbursement they give you. Um, so that means that you have to find your own housing in these different places that you're working. Um, so it's kind of similar to some of you, I'm sure, will travel for your clinicals, um, finding housing for those. Um, you can use family or friends in the area. You can use Air, Airbnb, Craigslist, VRBO. Um, a lot of times what we will do is go on the community web pages for that city or town or the towns in the area and say, hey, you know, we're living in the area for a few months um does anyone have a room to rent or something like that um we've definitely lived in a lot of interesting places between my clinicals and travel assignments i've lived in a tiny home i've lived in a two-bedroom cottage with a wood-burning stove i lived in a basement in an apartment um so um there's a lot of different um flexible interesting options out there but um some travelers will also go the RV route. So if you know you're going to do travel therapy and you know you're going to be traveling around at different locations, um, getting an RV is definitely a good option because um, you can still have all your own stuff. Um, and so there's definitely some good resources out there about how to do that. Well, um, we didn't choose to do it that way, but it's a good option. Um, and then usually you'll choose somewhere, obviously, um, to live um, that's close um, and commutable to where you're working, um, in order to get those free tax-free stipends for housing and food and things like that, usually you want to be live um, to do the travel assignments. At least the general rule is 50 miles away from where your tax home is, or kind of where your that permanent home is. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. You usually can't take travel jobs right where your hometown is, where your kind of home base is, where you plan to go back to after travel therapy. So. Um, it'll need to be kind of farther away, at least 50 miles. Um, as far as benefits go for travel versus permanent job, um, that salary range. So again, a lot of people do travel therapy because, um, it's a little more lucrative than a normal permanent job. Um, so just for example, a normal permanent job, um, would probably right after graduation would be uh, in the 60,000 range. Um, so after taxes, you know, per week, you would probably be taking home, you know, a little under $1,000, um, per week. Um, but for an example, travel therapy, um, I would never suggest anyone take less than $1,500 take home per week. Um, so that's like a 50% um, difference between travel and between permanent pay. So it's definitely greater um, salary to do travel therapy, um, which is pretty helpful for those of you that um, have a lot of student loans and things like that. So one of the other things to think about with travel therapy is um, to, you want to comply with different tax laws, um, which can 
seem complicated, but it's really pretty simple. There's a few main things you just want to keep in mind. Um, One thing is um, within your pay package, within your salary that you get from the travel company, um, you want to make sure you're talking to a recruiter about what your taxable income is versus your non-taxable income, like your stipends for housing and things like that. Um, Your taxable income, you really shouldn't be earning usually less than $20 per hour taxable income. Um, Because if you are, then that's kind of getting into some tax issues. So make sure you're talking to a recruiter about um, what's your um, hourly rate for your taxable income. One other thing to know about tax law is that as a traveler, if you are going to get these tax-free stipends for housing and things like that, you need to maintain a tax home as well as pay rent wherever you're traveling to. So that means... Um, you need to have some tax home. Usually a lot of people will just rent a room um, from a family member or things like that. That's what I did. Um, I rented a room from my mother-in-law um, in their basement, and I paid them a monthly salary or a monthly um, rent cost um, that was appropriate. Um, and then I also paid rent wherever I was traveling. Um, so you kind of have to dual your expenses for rent. Um so you have to make sure you're in compliance with that. And then you also have to go to your tax home, wherever your tax home or permanent home would be that you're renting a room from. You'd have to go there like 30 days of the year. Um, so those are the kind of the three things to make sure your taxable pay is at least $20 an hour. Um, and to make sure that you have a tax home that you're paying rent at. Um, and then also that you go to that tax home 30 days of the year. Um, if you do that, then you're golden. Um, and that you're fine to get those tax-free stipends. Um, But those are just things you have to make sure that you're doing. As far as tuition reimbursements, they don't really have usually that with travel therapy um, as much as they would maybe with some of your permanent jobs you'd find out there. Um, But you often could get like a sign-on bonus or something like that. Um, CEUs, um, you don't... You know, a permanent job may give you like a thousand dollars for a year for CEUs. Um, travel companies usually wouldn't give you that, but some travel company companies would maybe give you a MedBridge account for free. Um, and so, as you're traveling, you can use that MedBridge account to get a lot of your CEUs and continuing education, things like that. Um, licensure reimbursement for the different states. Um, this is definitely something that you should ask your recruiter about, and they should. Um, for your first assignment with that recruiter, with that travel company, they should give you a licensure reimbursement for the amount of money you had to pay for that license in that state that you're going to work in. As far as mentorship goes, you know, this is a big reason why people may be hesitant to do travel therapy. Um, this is something to be really diligent about with the interview process with the travel therapy. You want to make sure um, in the interview you're asking hey, what's my ramp up time? You know, how long will you give me um, before I have to be at a full caseload? Um, Especially if you aren't familiar with that setting, um, if you didn't do a clinical internship in that setting, you may want to ask in that phone interview, hey, since I haven't done this before, um, can I have a little longer ramp up time? Um, If you're willing to do a longer contract, like I mentioned earlier, maybe six months with that, um, company, they will probably be more likely to kind of give you a longer process with the orientation and ramp up time. Um, you know, this definitely varies, um, with the ramp up time as far as, you know, some jobs I've had, had wanted me to get into it 
you know, day one with seeing patients, whereas other ones, um, other contracts I've had let me pretty much have a full week before having to see my first patients. Um, so it really depends on that job. So that's where you really want to be diligent um, in any of your process. Some travel companies will have a mentorship program um, as a part of what they offer you. So they will have a physical therapist that um, have experience um, and that you will be matched with and you can um, you know, email them, text them, call them whenever you want with questions um, as they come up as you're treating patients um, and they will be there for you and answer questions. Um, so I had that for my first um, travel assignment, which was really nice, you know, when I didn't quite understand things or had questions about the clinic, you're not going to always email them. Um, and they would email back pretty promptly about, um, you know, what they would do in that situation. So, um, that's something definitely to ask about, ask a travel company about, you know, do they have a mentorship program? Would you get matched up with a PT? Um, some, um, travel companies also are really good about having exclusive contracts with certain, um, jobs out there um, where they will be very new grad friendly they say where again you might have to have a six month contract as opposed to three months but um, they're very new grad friendly they understand and they are um, very good about training you and just like a permanent job would be um, and getting you up to speed um, at your pace so um, that's definitely something to ask your travel company about say you're a new grad and say you know I'd really be um, more comfortable doing um, a job where that's very new grad friendly that would be willing to train me. Um, so I definitely suggest if you're really interested in travel therapy that you um, take your clinical internships and you really push yourself and try to become as independent as possible by the end of your clinical internships um, so that you're ready to hit the ground running when it comes to your first travel assignment. Um, you know, you always have questions to ask and things like that, but um, the more confident and the more prepared you are, the better usually that first travel assignment will be. Um, there's always kind of a debate or, uh, you know, people will ask, you know, should I do travel therapy right after graduation or should I maybe do a permanent job for a year, get kind of some training under my belt and then go into travel therapy. Um, travel therapy for me was really great coming right after graduation, you know, while I, while I was a little thrown into the fire and a little uncomfortable that first week, you know, I was able, I had a PT on staff um, that helped me um, and I was able to catch on quickly and be able to try new settings and um, do travel therapy before I got tied down. So uh, I definitely thought travel therapy right after graduation was great. Um, but if you're someone, you know, after your clinical internships and you're like, hey, I really feel like I need that extra training, the extra um, hands-on help um, when I start my first job, then maybe for you it would be better to do a permanent job for a while and then to do travel therapy. So um, that's something you kind of have to self-gauge. Um, but I would definitely say, you know, um, when you do travel assignments, the really make sure you're asking in the interview process, is there other PTs on staff? Um, that can answer my questions when I have them. I always made sure that there's other PTs on staff, um, that I never was in a situation where I was the only PT. Um, so that way you can bounce questions and ideas off of them, um, and they can help you along the way. And they, you know, everywhere you go, every clinic you go, the PTs will understand, you know, you're kind of thrown into the situation, and they will want you to help you, help you succeed. So I always felt very supported 
um, even though I was doing trouble therapy, I always felt as supported as I would, you know, doing a permanent job. So, um, if you're worried about something like mentorship, know that there definitely is mentorship through travel therapy. Um, it's not like you're just thrown to the wolves. Um, some other benefits to talk about as far as like health insurance and things like that. Um, when you apply for that travel therapy or travel company, you are employed by that travel company and they will provide you with health insurance and dental insurance and things like that. Um, so you'll want to, major question you want to ask the recruiter is when that starts. So um, ideally you'll be able to get a travel company um, that will give you those benefits starting day one of your employment. Um, and as long as you stay with that travel company, then you'll just be on that same insurance um, for your next contracts. Um, and then as long as there isn't a break more than like two to four weeks between those contracts, you're just continually on that insurance now, if you switch travel companies, um, for instance, I went um, between. I used three different travel companies for my four different jobs, so I switch companies a lot. Um, and if you switch companies, um, then they won't necessarily cover those gaps between your assignments. Um, so you'll either during those gaps you'll just go without insurance, or you might get insurance through healthcare.gov uh, marketplace. Um, you can do it that way, um, or if you're young enough you can still be on your parents parents insurance and don't worry about insurance um i personally was on um i did it, i had insurance through university of iowa during grad school during pt school so um i was able to continue that for the year after so i just stayed on that through my all my travel therapy um but know that um, the benefits as far as health insurance and things like that is very similar for travel therapy as it would be um, for a permanent job. Um, and usually you can get some sort of life insurance and things like that too. Um, so that's all very similar. Um, as far as retirement benefits go, um, usually a 401k is offered by the travel company just like it would be for a permanent job. Um, some important questions you might want to ask your recruiter, um, and it might be, help you decide between different travel companies is like when can you start contributing to that 401k can you start contributing right away um, and when do they start matching will they will they match right away um, when you start contributing because um, some will let you pay into it right away um, which is ideal um, and they might even match right away but um, usually you have to work for them for something like a whole year in order for you to um keep that money that they match with um so that's kind of getting into some complicated <laughs> um subjects that we don't have time for um but um just know that usually um it's 401k something good to ask about but it's usually pretty similar to what it would be for a permanent job um and you can always if you have a 401k with one travel company you can always roll that over to the 401k you have with your next company and things like that um as far as travel re reimbursement goes, the travel company should reimburse you for the amount of money it costs to travel to your location. So when I drove out to California for my first um, travel job, they reimbursed um, the cost of that travel. Um, you shouldn't often have to work for multiple facilities within your travel job, like you know traveling back and forth between a couple different facilities in the same town, but... 
Um, if you do, make sure you ask um, the travel company if you're getting reimbursed for those miles. Um, but you should be able to get reimbursed for those. Um, as far as productivity requirements, like I kind of mentioned, um, you really want to ask um, in that phone interview um, for with the clinic and hospital, what is your productivity standard? Um, and it's just like a job. You know, if you've got a permanent job, you would have some sort of productivity standard. So um, it's not necessarily more for travel therapy. It's the expectations are pretty similar. Um, for a skilled nursing facility, I personally wouldn't ever go higher than like an 87% productivity rate. Um, a lot of people would say no, no higher than 85%. Um, for outpatient, you know, it kind of depends on what your comfortability is. Um, oftentimes, if you kind of go for those hospital-based outpatient clinics or physician-owned hospital um, outpatient clinics, um, they their productivity rates are a little more lenient or a little less than it would be for kind of a private um, private outpatient clinic. Um, so really, that's something you should ask during the interview process of what their productivity standards are um, so you know um, if you should accept that job and if you can meet that standard. Um, and travelers aren't expected to see more um, patients or have higher productivity than their permanent employees. Um, so really, it's just very clinic-dependent, just like a permanent job would be very clinic-dependent on what your productivity standards are. Um, so most... You know, some people might hear horror stories from travelers about, you know, they got thrown to the wolves and they had to see all these patients and they couldn't handle it. Um, and if you're hearing those stories, it's probably because that person didn't do a good enough job during that phone interview to screen out the bad situations and screen out, you know, um, what um, the productivity standard was. So um, it's really on you if you do travel therapy to um, use that phone interview to know exactly what you're getting into. So for a typical day for a travel therapist, it really looks pretty darn similar to a permanent therapist. Um, so like how long are sessions with patients? Well, um, it's pretty much going to be exactly like a permanent job where it depends on the clinic, you know, do you have 40 minutes, 30 minutes with the patient? Um, it's just, those are things to ask during the phone interview. Um, scheduling, all that stuff. It's very similar um, to a permanent job. Um, it's just very clinic dependent. Um, as far as collaboration with disciplines and other providers, um, you know, you're going to get the same kind of inter interprofessional collaboration and engagement that you would have in a permanent job. Um, sometimes, you know, there might be in services where um, the permanent staff there um, will get to be part of some in-service that you don't get to be a part of as a travel therapist. They will just expect you to continue to see patients because that's what they're paying you for. Um, so there's occasional times where you you know you won't be able to um, take part in those in-services, but for the most part, um, you'll be able to take part in it. Um, so um, as far as technology, you know, for documentation and for patient care, you know, it's going to be the same as permanent job. Um, I never had to use my own equipment or anything as a traveler, so that's not something to worry about. So, some of the biggest challenges for um, a travel therapist would be um, just the fact that you do have to learn a lot on the fly, um, you know. Um, you can often get into a position where 
Um, it's new grad friendly and they will um, give you a longer on-ramp time, but in the end, oftentimes with travel jobs, you're going to be re required and asked to get to that full caseload quicker than you would be for a normal permanent job. So just being able to learn on the fly and as you travel to different clinics, um, clinics knowing how those clinics work and the differences and being able to quickly adapt and being able to abide by what they how they want to treat um, their patients um, just um, it can be a challenge as far as being flexible and being adjustable and willing to learn um, and another thing another challenge would be is often um, you kind of you'll find this in your clinicals where you'll really get into a flow and you'll really get good at your job at that you know two to three months mark and um, which is right about the time you'll be taking another travel job <laughs> so um, often you'll you know get really good at your job um, and then it'll be time to switch a new job now often at times you'll be able to extend that job um, to six and nine months and that won't be as much of an issue but um, just the constant change of switching jobs can be um, you know, can be challenging. Um, and sometimes you might kind of have this feeling of, you know, feeling separate from the clinical team, um, or the therapy team. Um, you know, you're part of the team, you work with them, you know, they are always willing to answer your questions, but at the same time, you kind of feel separate. You know that your time there is temporary and that at some point you're going to have to leave and say goodbye to all your patients and the team that you built relationships with that few, three to six months. So, um, that can be difficult to constantly kind of have that transition and know that your time there is only for so long. Um, but there's also, with the, you know, cons, there's also great benefits to doing travel therapy, you know, um, doing, um, doing jobs um, at a lot of different clinics will allow you to learn from a lot of different people and to kind of have a great variety um, of experience and um, you'll be able to learn a lot of just life skills of how to be flexible and humble and um, how to be um, a good learner and be a quick learner. Um, you know, after traveling, I feel like I could pick up a documentation system very quickly because I've had to learn so many. Um, so, um, and also just gives you a chance to try out different settings, different locations in the country, um, figure out what you really thrive in and what you'd want to do for your permanent job. So um, there's definitely some great um, pros, um, but there's also some challenges with travel therapy. Um, so along with that, what would make a good travel therapist? I would say um, if you're a person that's very flexible, um, you know, you're very teachable, you're very adaptable, you um, can feel like you can um, learn quickly and be able to um, contribute quickly um, if you're very sociable, you know, you're going to be, um, going from clinical to clinic, and so you're going to have to be meeting new people a lot, so are you able, are you the type of person that can, um, quickly become friends with people, and, um, can, um, fit in with a new group of people, um, you also have to be very organized as a travel therapist, you know, um, you're working with different recruiters, and for different jobs, and then, um, you need to, it's good to keep a paper trail of everything you're doing with travel therapy. So it's good to be very organized. Um, obviously a love for travel helps, <laughs> um, wanting to explore different areas, um, definitely fits into the mold of travel therapy. Um, and the final thing I would say is just to be confident in your skills. Um, you know, after your clinicals, um, and after your graduation, being able to be confident that you can treat, 
um, patients well um, and do good by your patients um, without having to be kind of um, supervised closely by a mentor or something like that. Um, one other thing I would add is if you really don't know where you want to go but you know you want to do a travel therapy, um, I would just suggest going to California because um, California by and far has the biggest selection of travel jobs um, and they also have some of the higher paying travel jobs out there. So um, if you want an adventure um, and you're not really sure where you want to go, um, I would definitely suggest checking out California because that was really fun for me to go out there and do a couple of assignments. I um, will have those great memories for a lifetime. So some people may ask, is it hard to be away from family and friends to do travel therapy? Um, this really depends on your personality. Um, you can always travel to places where friends and family live. Um, that's one thing I did with in Southern California. I had an aunt and uncle that lived there. So you can always choose to travel somewhere that, you know, you already have contacts in the area. Um, but nowadays, this technology, you know, it's pretty easy to keep up with your friends and family back home. Um, and if you really do get homesick with your first travel job, you know, it's only three months, you can come home after that first travel job. Um, and, you know, you just because it's called travel therapy doesn't mean you have to go to some far off place. You can just stay in Iowa and do travel therapy in Iowa. So, um, but it, it, travel therapy really is a great way to um, meet new kinds of people um, with, from different backgrounds um, that you normally wouldn't have a chance to meet. So, um, just some general thoughts to end up here. Um, travel jobs are really a lot like permanent jobs. Um, you can be pretty sure of what the job will be like based on the job interview and asking the right questions during that process. Um, the condi work conditions, the expectations, the help you get from your coworkers are really pretty similar in a travel job as it would be to a permanent job. Um, so even if you aren't really sure about travel therapy or seems kind of foreign or complicated, um, you can always, you know, um, talk to a recruiter or um, apply to a travel company um, and just ask them more about it, um, especially if you're having a hard time try finding a permanent job right after school. Um, you can always take a travel position for a few months right after school and um, be working um, while you are still applying for permanent jobs in the area you want to live in. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good strategy to have. Um, like I said earlier, there's always kind of debate on whether you should do travel therapy right after graduation or if you should work for a little while. But I would say, you know, if you're interested at all in travel therapy, I would just go for it right after graduation um, because it allows you to try those different settings and locations um, before you're tied down with house payments or children or different other commitments you might have. Um, so I would just get out and travel right away um, if you're interested at all. At least try one assignment um, and see how you like it. Um, it's a lot easier to transition from travel to permanent job than it is vice versa. So, um, as far as traveling in pairs, um, it's definitely possible to travel in pairs if you have a significant other that's also a therapist or a nurse or any other kind of health profession that might travel. Um, you can tell that to your recruiter, and your recruiter can work for you to try to find a job for both of you in the same area. Um, but for those of you that have a significant other that's not a healthcare worker, um, you would fit the mold of 
you know, what I was in where my wife was not a therapist or a nurse or anything like that. Um, but my wife, you know, really enjoyed traveling with me and she was able to find local jobs and nannying and different things like that wherever we went. So, um, you know, it was still a fun and rewarding experience for her, um, even though she wasn't um, healthcare worker. So it's definitely possible to travel in pairs. Um, so I'd say, you know, after listening to this, travel therapy may seem kind of overwhelming and a lot of foreign concepts, but um, once you get into it and once you talk to a recruiter in a travel company, it's really not that complicated. Um, and so um, there's a lot of great resources online, and um, Amy has my information, so please feel free to reach out to me with any questions you have. Um, I can point you to certain recruiters that I've worked with that are really good and certain resources online through social media and through blogs that uh, really spell out um, the how to do travel therapy well. So um, I would love to share that knowledge with you um, for those of you that's really interested in travel therapy. So, um, And uh, another thing I would say is um, if you are interested in travel therapy and you go for it and you do the, your first assignment but it just doesn't turn out very well or you have a bad experience, don't give up on it. You know, that's often due just to because you happen to be matched up with a bad facility. So, you know, if you get into it and you don't like your first assignment, don't give up on it. You know, um, try again and try a different facility and see um, because sometimes a bad experience can just be due to a bad matchup. So, um, so yeah, that's all I've got um, for now. So I'd love to hear you guys' questions and um, appreciate you guys listening to me for a little while. And, um, yeah, I'm always available in, in the area. So reach out. Thank you.